This is the 32nd episode of Pancreation Philosophy. Um, I'm Scott McDonald with my co-host. Pocholo Cruz. And our very, very special guest, someone I'm really excited to have on, Bruce Davis. Um, thanks for coming on, dude. We really appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, we'll just get into um, some background with you. You uh, played... <laughs> Well, first, just start with, like, your, your journey into athletics. Like, you can start as early as you want. We just really want to know how you got into football. When did you know that it was going to be a career? And uh, just take us from there. All right. Uh, so I, when I first started playing sports, I played, I played basketball and I ran track. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my, my pops didn't really want me playing football at too young of an age because uh, he had a bunch of injuries and all that. He was in the NFL for – 12 seasons, two Super Bowl rings. So, you know, he's seen, you know, at that point he had seen a lot more than me. So, mm-hmm. you know, they started me off in basketball and, and track, you know, you know, get speed and, and, you know, being on the basketball court and working with the team and stuff like that. So um, he didn't really want me to play as a kid. And then so seventh grade comes along and uh, it's the day of football tryouts and I'm about to just, you know, go on home or probably go to the park and shoot some hoops or whatever and yeah. you know, I run into some of my boys, right? And they're like, yo, we're going to try out for the football team. We should come. I was like, uh, I don't really know. And they're like, come on. You you know, they were like, you got to be good. You know, you're popular <laughs> in the NFL. Like, yo, you got to come. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And, you know, ended up making the team and, and I fell in love with football instantly. Like, um, it just stuck. Like, I liked, I was, I was a big kid. Mm-hmm. A lot bigger than the rest of the kids, so it was um, it was fun for me to you know have a contact sport and you know be able to go out there and be physical, you know when you can't really do that on the basketball court, certainly not on right. the track when you're running. So it just it kind of fit for me. So I kept playing basketball up until tenth grade, then I quit to you know focus on football mm-hmm. uh, full time. But I still ran track in the off season, uh, you know, just to you know work on speed and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, like I knew. Like, right when I started, I was like, oh, yeah, this is it for me. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, my my parents, you know, had both went to UCLA or whatever. And so, um, you know, they explained to me early on, like, you can't be out messing around in the streets. You can't be getting in trouble at school. You can't be getting arrested. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you got to you got to be on top of your schoolwork, you know, and you, you got to act right in public and, and, you know, hold yourself in a certain way because, you know, you got things that you want to do and, and, you know, it's going to take a lot of work to get there. So from early on, I was like, I knew I wanted to play college football. I knew I wanted to go to the NFL like my dad. And mm-hmm. so I always kind of was like super hyper focused on, on sports, on football, you know, it kept me busy, you know, you know, pretty much kept me busy year round. And, you know, so it was, it was just, it became, it just became part of me. It became what I did. And, and that, you know, that routine carried me through high school and then, I ended up going to UCLA, um, like my parents did. I, I think I was committed to Texas as a as a sophomore. I was going to be a Longhorn, but mm. you know, I ended up taking some trips. I, you know, I went to Arkansas, um, Ooh, okay. Rado, uh, so I went SEC, Big Twelve, and then what was the Pac-10 at the time. And so I go to my trip to Colorado, and from there I go I go to UCLA. So at Colorado, there was it, it had just snowed. There was like two feet of snow on the ground. It was freezing cold. It was a beautiful place though. Like I really liked it. You know, they had some guys on the team that you know I was familiar with as they played in my area. 
but then I went straight from there to UCLA. I got off the plane. It was like 75 degrees in LA. You know, we went over and ate by the beach uh, at Gladstone's, this little seafood place that I actually still go to all the time. Uh, and and then we got to the campus, and it's like, you know, this was like my first time seeing LA, you know, as an older teenager. Like I used to go with my parents. You know, we take little trips from now, you know, every now and again, and go out there or whatever. But mm-hmm. Not to the not I wasn't at that age where I would remember, you know, how I felt being in the city. So when I got back there, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is this is the place for me. So mm-hmm. went to UCLA. Um, I didn't I didn't I redshirted my first year, which I was super pissed about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I felt like I, you know, I, I played well enough to go at the time to, you know, to to go out there as a freshman and be able to contribute. But we did have you know, really, really good defense at that time. I think most of those guys ended up in the NFL. Uh, so I redshirted that year. And then my next two years, you know, I kind of played a little spot duty or whatever, but, you know, I wasn't a starter. And so, you know, my redshirt junior year, it all changed. We got a new defensive coaching staff, um, some guys that had worked in the NFL that, had, you know, my D-line coach had played in the NFL. His name was Todd Howard or D coordinator, uh, Dwayne Walker. He's still coaching in the NFL right now. Um they came in and they kind of changed the culture of, of everything up and they found us, they found a place for me playing uh, DN. And so, um, you know, everything just worked out perfect. Their coaching style and, and, you know, my skill set. you know, I ended up leading the pack 10 and sacks, you know, a couple times I was top five or 10 in the country, something like that. And, uh, you know, so that happened my last two years, which was, you know, was living the, you know, football dream at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then so it became evident after my junior year that I was going to, you know, that I was going to go to the league if I didn't have any injuries or whatever. So, um, you know, my senior year came around. I had another solid year and I ended up getting drafted in the third round by the Steelers, uh, which was which was nuts because it's like, they, you know, on draft day, they call you and your phone rings and then, you know, you're talking to a head coach. Like, so I'm talking to Mike Tomlin and he's like, yo, we're going to take you and we like your style and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so we get through that year, um, you know, playing in my first NFL game was insanity. Like we were in <laughs> Pittsburgh and it was just nuts. Like the whole place was just, it was just insane. Like, and there's what, like 60,000 people in there and, you know, Pittsburgh is a, is a crazy football town. So oh, yeah. they, they love their football. It's like a religion. It is for sure. Um, um, Blue collar town and, you know, so it was just like it was it was just a, it was a good fit. We ended up winning the Super Bowl uh, that my rookie year. And then uh, so after that, I went to New England for a year and then I bounced around to a couple spots. And then I, I finished my last two years um, with the Raiders, which was cool because my dad played for the Raiders back in the in the 80s. So, you know, that that was a great spot for me to be in, played my best football there. So, you know, that's how it went for me. Yeah. Well, man, um. I have a lot of questions to follow up on everything you just said. Um, the first one I have is what was it like growing up knowing your dad's playing in the NFL and was that any added pressure or like what could you take us back to kind of your early assumptions and thoughts around playing ball? Cause I mean, that's a big deal, you know? Yeah. So at, and, yeah. yeah go ahead. at first, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about football. Cause again, my dad was like, nah, I just don't want you to play yet. Like you'll be fine. You know, playing later on I think the plan was for me to start in high school so you know there was never any pressure from my from my dad or my mom my mom ran track too at UCLA so you know she's an athlete as well um 
So there was never any pressure for me to like play football. You know, they, they kind of wanted me to do other stuff first, which was cool. Like, so it was never like, you know, you've seen situations where, you know, you know, a kid is being pushed into doing something by their parents. And that wasn't the case for me. Like, they were just like, you know, you, you got to find your own way and find what you like, you know? And so, like I said, I started with track and basketball, which is you know, pretty much non-contact. And, um, you know, it just kind of, it just kind of progressed from there. But my, my dad's rule was, and it's something that I use to this day. It's like, he was like, I don't care what you do. If you decide to do something, you're going to do it all the way. And you're going to, you know, you're going to put your all, you're going to totally dedicate yourself to it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I just knew with everything that I did um, that I was just going to have to go in and I was going to have to go hard and, you know, put my effort in. That was that was the standard. So it wasn't like there was pressure. It just, you know, from an early age, I just understood, like, that's that's what you have to do. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I took my pop's word as gold. Like, he had yeah. been there and he had seen it. And my, and my mom, too, for that matter. Like, you know, she's super smart lady and, you know, she's a great athlete in, in, in her own respect and, you know, so they always were kind of like, you know, just find something that you love and put your all into it. So it was, it was cool. Like it wasn't like a, there was no, there was no pressure or anything like that. Okay. And what were you, uh, when you were in college at UCLA, what position did you play again? So I played D end at UCLA okay. for the most part, but I played a little bit of linebacker one year. We had, um, we had some guys get hurt. We had like two or three linebackers get hurt. So I had to step in and and filling at linebacker, um, I guess that'd have been my sophomore year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but just D and linebacker. So, what was your mentality in that position? Because I mean, I know a little bit about football, and that sounds like a, both those positions are very physical. Like in in that, so what was it like playing to that level, but in those positions? Like, what was the physicality like? Like, what was your well, I guess what was your like philosophy in those positions? Like, how were you thinking? My so my thing was like I was a pass rusher. Like I was, you know, I played well against the run, um, and I broke up a lot of passes too. But you know, what set me apart was being able to get to the quarterback. So my mentality was, and you know, something else I learned from my pops is like, you've got to use the tools that you have, whatever they are, and it it, it, it doesn't matter what your skill is, and I, you know. My mom being an athlete and running track, I was blessed with speed. So he was like, yo, you're going to, you know, you should make it a track meet for these guys. Just make it, make it about speed. And then, you know, when you, when you make contact with somebody, it was like, you know, make them, make them feel you like, you know, put it, make, make it hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, there was, there's nothing soft about it. Cause when you play D line, I was a little undersized in college. I was only like 225. And I was playing Only. fine. <laughs> well, dude, you're getting interviewed by two guys that are like 160. Coach Cholo's over here about to fight. He's like 150. And yeah. He's like, I'm only. That just speaks to the size. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, but that's but like you're saying, that that speaks to the size. Like I was playing against guys that in some cases were 75, 80, 100 pounds more than than I was. You know, you're playing against offensive tackles all game. Like and and. You know, even though they play offensive line, offensive tackles are some of the best athletes on any football field that you go to. Like, you know, at any level, those guys have to be incredible. So, you know, I was playing against these these huge, physically talented and and very skilled with footwork and handwork kind of guys. So, you know, I knew I was going to have to just, you know, I was going to have to base everything off speed and then, you know, use power off of that. But I was going to just use 
you know, what my God given ability and, and, you know, just try to work it. And it's a, there's a big mental aspect to it too. Um, that goes into it. And, and it's like, you know, if you go into something second guessing yourself, it's going to show with how you play. Right. Mm-hmm. Like same thing with fighting, you know, it's going to show, yeah. you know, people, they, they can detect that weakness, you know, very easily. So it was just like, look, I told myself all the time, I'm, I'm the best football player on any field that I step on. And that was just my mentality. Like, and you know, it wasn't a thing about arrogance. It was just like, that's, if you go into something feeling like that, then you end up performing like that. You know, you rise to that level or that standard that you set for yourself. Uh, and, and that's what it was for me. So you're, and what you're talking about is like, you're talking about you're on the lighter end, you're 225, right? You have guys who are a hundred pounds heavier than that and fast and explosive. So I just, could you break it down even more? Like, what is it like when you make contact at that speed and at that velocity? And do you have, and to add on to that, do you have any stories of like hitting people and what was that <laughs> like? And I do, because I know yeah. you do, because we've talked off of the podcast about it, but for our listeners, I just like you to explore that with us. Yeah. So when you make contact with those big guys, it's like, uh, you know, I, I played well with my hands. And so there's a big misconception that you just dive in there with your with your head and just, you know, bang around. That's not how it is. Like you it's there's a lot of like hand placement and leverage and all that stuff. So I knew if I was going to be outweighed by somebody, I couldn't stand straight up and and, you know, just kind of fight on the line with them. Like I had to have my pads low. I had to be explosive. I had to get my hands inside, you know, those offensive tackle shoulder pads and really try to control them because, mm-hmm. you know, I could I could offset that weight differential mm-hmm. by my angles, by my pad level, by my explosiveness, and I could really go um, meet them at the point of contact instead of, you know, catching or, or receiving a blow. I was the one going and initiating contact most of the time because it's like yeah. I, I knew that if – a big dude was going to get his hands on me, he could maul me. It was just, you know, it just was what it was. If there's a guy that outweighs you by 90 or 100 pounds, like, you don't want to just stand up and, and, and sit there and try to battle with that. So, you know, it was it was about leverage and, and speed and power off that leverage, which, you know, I, I had to use to my advantage because, again, I was so much smaller than a lot of the guys that I was uh, playing against. And then, the, and then the speed aspect of that, too, like, I knew I knew those guys weren't going to be able to run as fast as I was. Mm-hmm. So I was going to pressure them to come and play the game that I wanted them to play, not mm-hmm. not let them dictate to me how a game was going to go. So and and you know I was a huge shit talker. Like I used to tell guys, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a long day for you out here. You you, you know you better be ready. You know I'm I'm <laughs> I'm coming for your quarterback. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. and that's the mental aspect of it too. Like you can get in these people's heads just by you know talking. And it was like. They knew I was going to back up my talk. They saw the right. film, so it was like, I'm going to let you know, you, you got your hands full today, right? Like, so, yeah. Um, and then as far as hitting, like, ball carriers, it's different. Like, I've tackled Adrian Peterson, and, you know, he was just such, like, a freak of an athlete at when he was at Oklahoma and when he was in the NFL, but we played him. I got to play him when he was at Oklahoma, and um, that's a large, fast man. He's He yeah. was we were about the same size, if you can even believe that. He was probably 215. I was probably about 225, maybe 230 Whoa. max. Like, So we played them, I think it was my sophomore year, and I came down the line. I, I was playing linebacker, and I came down the line to tackle him. I'm, I hit him behind the line of scrimmage. He carried me like three more yards before I got him down. <laughs> oh, like, you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. 
you know, it was certain guys, it's different. Marshawn Lynch, the same way. Like, I've only been run over twice in my career. Once was by uh, Adrian Peterson. The other was by Marshawn Lynch. But it's like, you know, those are those are very special players. And, right. you know, with the guys like that, you got to, you know, again, it's about going and, and delivering a blow instead of taking one. Because if you sit back and just, you know, kind of stop your feet and let a ball carrier run up on you, you're going to get run over, right? Like, yeah. That's just you just you just can't you can't stop your feet or you're dead. Mm-hmm. So I was always going to go initiate contact. And with those two guys, with with uh, Marshawn and, and AP, it was like, you, look, these are these are some of the, the greatest football players of our era. Right. Like, you you knew sometimes you were going to get your ass run over. And so those I can accept. I still made the tackles, uh, you know, but for the most part, it was like, you know, I was having to come off blocks uh and and hit ball carrier so you know it was just it was just like by any means necessary sometimes is how you got to get guys down like it's never going to be perfect or you know how right. you get in practice or whatever and, and you guys as fighters know that like you can you know there's always going to be something that you know they have up their sleeve like right i had a coach tell me uh, you know this is all the tape that we've seen we've seen everything they've done but expect two or three things that we've never seen before. And we just got to adjust on the fly. So, right. you know, it's kind of like that. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of those tackles on running back, since I was playing on the D line, like I wasn't coming from a, a, like a very long distance. I was, I was hitting guys, trying to hit guys in the backfield, you know, before they could really get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as far as quarterbacks go, like my philosophy with that was I'm trying to knock these guys out. Like I'm trying to hit this dude as hard as I possibly can and make him fold up early. Right. Like, and it's the same thing, speed and power. So it was like, I knew I had to beat this this gigantic 300-plus-pound guy, and then I had to accelerate fast enough to go and try to knock the ball out of the quarterback's hands or get a sack or try to knock him out. I actually did knock a couple guys out, and I knocked this dude out from um, Arizona. And it was funny to me, like, in the paper, they called me a dirty player in Arizona. Uh, and I was like, all right, whatever, man, like, but they ran a naked bootleg. So they rolled their quarterback out with no blockers. And I'm sitting there. I'm, I was sitting there waiting for it. He didn't see me as he was making the turn. And I saw him. So I, you know, I took an angle to hit him as soon as he turned around. And, you know, I hit him in his chest and his chin. And mm-hmm. he was out cold. Like, he hit the ground. He was done. Out cold. Um, you know, went out of the game. And they had to bring their backup in. And our defensive coordinator, he he brings the defense up and he goes, um, we don't lose to backup quarterbacks. So, mm. you know, that was my goal. Let's get, let's see what, let's see what your number two guy's all about. Cause you know, I mean, it was just like, if you can hit a quarterback and you can get in his head early, it, it's, it, it's, it's going to mess him up. Right. Like, and I used to, you know, again, I was a big shit talker. So it's like, if I got a hit on a quarterback or got a sack early in the game, I tell the quarterback, yo, I'll be back in a few plays. Like, don't get comfortable. And then I go over to his offensive line and be like, yo, that's y'all's fault. You know what I mean? You let me get there and I just, I just smash the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like, but again, that's mental and, you know, they get frustrated and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, this is what it is like for me. So quarterbacks, I'm trying to hit you as hard as I can running back same way. Uh, and, you know, getting off offensive linemen is about like angles and, and, you know, leverage and stuff like that. Well, man, what you're describing too, and this is why why I wanted to have you on, um, is your your sport in terms of um, just how we use your sport is similar to ours in the way your body's used as a weapon, especially in your position. I can't really say that about offense, but in terms of the defensive positions in football, your your body's a weapon. 
you're using force to hurt somebody, get get that play off of hurting them, and then either changing changing it in your favor or what have you. But I mean, there's as you and I have talked about, there's significant costs to that. And um, there's been cost to me as an MMA fighter in terms of injuries, and there's also been cost to you as a football player. So what I wanted to ask is, um, and you can respond to what I just said, but also like how has that type of playing impacted you post-NFL? Yeah, I mean, I've had a, <laughs> I've had a, a, a rough road, you know, after my, my football career. Um, you know, I started. I, I I had some pretty bad injuries towards the end of my NFL career. Um, I hurt my shoulder really bad, my shoulder, and my neck, um, and then you know my back, and you know my knees took a lot of damage, and so uh, and and you know that physical playing style too. You know, also had some uh, pretty serious brain trauma effects. So in the last three uh, four years, I guess I've had seven major surgeries. So I've had three back surgeries. Uh, the last one I had my spine fused, uh, I had three knee surgeries. So I had meniscus and then I had LCL, uh, LCL and meniscus again. And then I, on the last one, I tore my ACL. And so, uh, it was so bad that it was like, they replaced my ACL with Kevlar. So I have two screws and a Kevlar ACL. Uh, and then what else? The shoulder, the shoulder was, was pretty bad. I think that was the one that really where I knew when that one happened, it was like, I knew my, my clock was ticking on my career. Cause it was just like, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, and so, yeah, I had seven, seven major surgeries all the way up to last year. I had knee and, and back surgery twice last year. So, um, and, and, you know, the orthopedic stuff is like, you kind of have an understanding that, you know, you're playing a physical game and that's, what's going to happen to you. Right? right. Like, and I had my pops around, like, you know, I was, you know, when he retired and, you know, I saw some of the stuff that he went through and, and, and as a kid, he didn't want me to play football so young because, you know, he had taken a lot of, you know, orthopedic damage and, and he knew that, you know, regardless of what happened, um, it was going to, that was going to happen to me too. It's going to happen to everybody. Your body's going to break down, right? It's just mm -hmm. the physical nature of what we do, uh, that warrior kind of style, like it's, it's costly. And, and, you know, all those, all those hits and all those tackles and all those impacts, they say it's like getting in a, in a car wreck every time, you know, that kind right. of impact that you take. So, but again, that's the kind of stuff that I was prepared for. Like I, you know, I, I, I knew eventually that stuff was going to happen. Now I didn't, I didn't think it was going to start happening when I was fucking, you know, 28 years old, uh, 29 years old, but you know, it comes for you when it comes for you, right. You got no control over that. But the stuff that I wasn't prepared for was the brain trauma, right? Like, and in football, it wasn't something that was discussed. Like, you know, we were just under the assumption that our helmets were protecting us, mm. that, you know, that's what it was. That's what its purpose was. And we didn't know about the long-term effects of it because, you know, nobody really asked any questions, right? Like it was right. like, you know, in kind of the culture and, 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 you know, again, a lot of parallels with fighting. It's like, the culture in football is like, yo, this is some warrior shit. Like you've got to, you know, you've got to be willing to put yourself on the line and, and, you know, you know, it's going to affect your body. Like it is what it is. But the brain stuff was like, we just didn't know. Nobody was having these conversations and, you know, this information, it, it wasn't like, you know, this social media era now where it's like mm -hmm. something happens and then it's like, you know, it's, it's across the world and, you know, 
something could go viral and, and the whole world could see it in, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that. So, and the internet wasn't a huge thing. Like, you know, when I was in high school and, and, you know, like when my dad was, you know, they didn't, they didn't have it. Right. So right. it was a different era. There was a different way that, you know, the news was reporting things and it's not like sports center or somebody was going to be like, yo, you know, this is causing you brain trauma. They, you know, they had yeah. to have people tuning in. Like they want to, you know, the more, you know, it just kind of is what it is. That's how it goes. It's, it, you know, so I didn't really find out about this until maybe a couple of years into my career, there was examples of guys, you know, that had taken their own lives that had had very like spastic behavior that were getting in a lot of trouble. And then, you know, people started putting together that, you know, these guys, these guys' brains are, 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 you know, they're getting, there's so much trauma involved, yeah. right? It's, it's just, it's ridiculous. And you know, I, you know, I've seen the movie concussion. I was actually an extra in that movie too. Um, you know, there was guys that were pulling out their teeth and super gluing them back into their mouths or, you know, doing other things that, you know, were causing them physical pain, like, or just straight up, you know, dying. Yeah. You know, like literally just, you know, guys were, were dying or killing themselves. And it was like, yo, this is a problem. And then we find out later that the, the NFL had this information and they were actively trying to suppress this this information like yeah if you've seen the movie concussion it goes all the way into it and and, you know there's some great um there's some great you know literature about it out out about it right now that you can that you can you know look up on the internet thank god for google right like you can can get thousands of thousands and thousands of pages of information right so you know i wasn't prepared for that and so one day i'm at my godparents house we're just um we're just chilling. Like I'm, I'm with my godbrother. We're watching a movie. I get up to go to the bathroom. You know, I close the door and like I start kind of feeling dizzy. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm about to fall over. So I try to lean back on the sink so that I wouldn't fall forward on the tile floor. But I blacked out all the way before uh, before I could catch myself. So uh, apparently, and I say apparently because this I was out. Like I when I woke up, I was on the floor. Uh, so apparently I had blacked out and fallen forward. I couldn't catch myself leaning back. Oh, wow. Thing. And I, I landed face first on the tile floor and I, and I, I kid you not. Like when I went, when I opened my eyes, I was like, I was like an inch or two away from cracking my head on the side of the toilet and like splitting my whole head open. Like in, and so I wake up, I'm on the floor. Like I get up and I could, at first I don't feel anything. And then, you know, I start like I'm bleeding. Like I can feel my mouth bleeding. And like my whole head and my face are pounding. So, you know, I initially was, was scared. My godbrother came in there because he heard me. And, and, you know, I think I had a seizure or something too while I was down there because he's, he, um, you know, he felt like the little, there was like a little shelving in there for like toiletries and that kind of stuff. And I guess, I, you know, my arm was hitting it. So he came in there, he helped, he picked me up off the floor. So, you know, my first thought was, you know, have I just, you know, totally split my face open. So I look in the mirror and by the time I had gotten up, by the time he helped me up, I had like a golf ball slice knot on my forehead and I had knocked out a bunch of my teeth and the jagged parts in my teeth had cut through my lips and uh, my tongue. And so I was like bleeding out of my mouth. uh, And I was just like, what the fuck was this? Like I had no, 
You know what I mean? I had no idea. And then, you know, you start putting it together like, yo, this is from all those hits you were, you, you know, you were enduring or delivering. And, and, you know, but again, this wasn't being talked about like, you know, how it is now, right? The brain trauma wasn't the hot button issue that it, that it was before, you know, uh, you know, that yeah. it, I should say. So, you know, that was the start of, of, of that for me. And, you know, I, I ended up, you know, having more blackouts, uh, you know, one time I was in the bathtub, uh, and this is sky and I were, were living together. Sky is my, you know, for those of you who don't know, sky is Scott's sister, but she's my girlfriend. We've been together four years. Uh, and she has been super incredible with, you know, helping me get through all this medical stuff. Every surgery I've had, every doctor's appointment I've ever had, like she's been right there with me. Like she is, picked me up off the floor before and you know as recently as two weeks ago i blacked out it you know we were just walking the dog and i just blacked out at the park two weeks ago bruce um yeah two weeks so two weeks ago i was we were at the park and i just i just like blacked out and she saw me from far away like she was you know she saw that i was getting kind of like wobbly or whatever so she comes up to you know she hugs me so that i'm not like falling over and I end up blacking out all the way. And so I fall, I'm, I start falling down, but she's holding on to me. So I end up on the floor and, you know, when I come to, she's, she's over me, like waking me up. I got a service dog too. He's going nuts. He's barking. Our other little dog is barking. Um, the service dog is Zeus, right? Yeah. Okay. And so, and, and he, and he knows when something is about to happen. It's, it's a very unique thing. Like, um, but yeah, he, he always knows when I'm, when something's going wrong with me. So, um, you know, I, that was two weeks ago. So it's like an ongoing thing for me. But, um, uh, before when Sky and I first got together, we were living in Hollywood and, um, I was in the bathtub and, you know, my body was sore. So I'm taking an Epsom salt bath, you know, it's, we all do it. Like, and I'm Ain't in there. with baths, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Show, man, you gotta, you gotta let the muscles relax. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I was in the tub and I start blacking out, but you know, I was, I went from being fine to being like, Oh shit, I'm, I'm blacking out in the fucking bathtub. Right. Like, and so I, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't even get a word out before I'm, before I start to black out, but Zeus went crazy. I mean, he went nuts. He was sitting on the floor with me and luckily I had the door open and unlocked. Um, so he starts going nuts and then, um, you know, skies, you know, I was like, what's going on? And so she comes in and she literally pulls me out of the bathtub. And I'm like, I wake up, you know, I'm, I'm soaking wet, like, you know, on the bathroom floor, like what, you know, what's going on? The dog's sitting there going crazy. And this is, this was the first, maybe the first time she had experienced something uh, that severe. Um, and so it was just like a madhouse. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it, became this thing where it was like, all right, I've got to get this checked out. And Sky was like, yo, you, you can't ignore this anymore. Like, you've got to go and get yourself checked out. So I go get checked out. And, um, you know, the first thing I did was do MRI. I did brain mapping. Um, you know, I did a bunch of other testing. Like, I did blood work. Um, you know, they checked my heart. They literally checked everything. Uh, and so we get the brain MRI back. And they're like, yo, you're um, – you have two cysts in your frontal lobe and then you have perivascular spaces, which is a fancy way to say you have cracks all over your brain. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, and they were like, yeah, you know, the first time I did the, like the brain mapping and they do a, an electrical field test, the, 
you know, the, uh, the electrical field was a little off. And so it was just a mess. So I ended up, you know, starting medication, um, you know, and, and it, it was a trial and error thing. There was some different things. Some things made me feel like a zombie, other things, like I, I didn't really feel anything. And so it took me, you know, six months to a year to really get the, you know, get something that was right. So I ended up getting, uh, getting on this medication called Keppra, which is like an, you know, anti-seizure kind of, uh, medication and, and got on a regiment and then started really taking care of myself or paying attention to my, you know, my neurological health in a way that I didn't really think about before. Um, and you know, a lot of stuff happened and, you know, this is something brain trauma is also something that is directly affecting your mental health. Um, mental health wise, I was, I was a mess. Uh, you know, I was, I was, you know, experiencing, uh, anxiety or panic attacks, um, which were, which were like, you know, the first time you have one, you feel like you're dying and I'm like, Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, it's a really, really crazy thing. So I was, you know, having panic attacks. I was super depressed, uh, you know, cause you know, my, my body was falling apart. I was having these issues with my brain. And at the same time, I was still dealing with the fact that my career was over. Like I played football, 18 years out of my life so it was it was two-thirds of my life at that point um when I had retired and it was like you know a, something else that's not really talked about in these in these uh you know contact male dominated kind of sports is you know when your career is over like how do yeah. you handle that right yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's like a it's like a minefield and, you know, some days you can tell yourself, like, I'm good without it. And then other days it's like, all you want to do is cry. Like there was days or sometimes it was like so unbelievable to me that I'd be so depressed that I can, you know, I wouldn't get out of the bed. I would literally just cry. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave the bed for days. And then other days it's like, yo, you can, you know, I'd get up, I'd be out and, you know, doing things. But, you know, it was always kind of a black cloud right there. And, and you know, it's something that, again, that I find you know, in, in male dominated sports that it's like, we ignore our mental health, even when we see red flags. Right. And yeah, yeah. again, uh, you know, sky really was the one who pushed me to get my mental health together. Um, you know, I had some episodes where it was like, you know, I would like flip out and, and, and just be like, she was like, I couldn't even recognize you. Like she was like, you weren't the same person. And, you know, later on, you know, I find out it's a mix, it's a mixture between having this brain trauma and also having extremely poor mental health, right? Not having dealt with these things. So, you know, I had to, I had to go to therapy, uh, which I still go to, like my therapist is awesome. He's, you know, I got super lucky. He's a, you know, former athlete, retired athlete himself. So, um, but it, you know, there was things that were happening that, you know, I didn't really understand because, again, we weren't having these conversations as, as as athletes, as football players, as fighters, as rugby players. Like, we just weren't having these conversations. The culture has always been, you know, suck it up and deal with the pain, right? Like, you yeah. know, if you're in a fight and, you know, you start getting your ass whooped a little bit, it's like, all right, suck it up and, and, and let's get this second win. It's the same thing in football. It's the same, you know, it's just the mentality that, you know, a lot of us – a lot of us that, you know, play these contact sports, um, you know, it's a mentality that we that we have to have to survive in in the game. You know what I mean? So um, 
again, it took me a, a super long time and I still, you know, I still have issues with, with brain trauma, but you know, I've got a, I've got a regiment now. And it's like, I, I just went and got my yearly MRI and my brain, you know, the whole workup, my neck, my brain, my spine, like, you know, I know I've got to do that now. And, um, you know, it's, it's just about, for me, it's about, you know, finding a baseline of health and, and, you know, all that stuff, because I know how slippery that is. Cause you know, if you don't take care of yourself, I, you know, I could easily be right back where I was a few years ago. And, you know, in, in that mess. So it's just been a super long road. And, you know, like I said, the orthopedic stuff you expect, but the, the, the brain trauma, I didn't, I didn't expect. Um, yeah. So and I, yeah, man, I mean, you, I want to ask you this next question. Cause I mean, you're, you're filling in, we had a list of questions and you've answered like a majority of them. <laughs> um, and dude, I, uh, I really appreciate your vulnerability and you, you know, you even said before you came on, we can ask you anything. And um, well, before I move on to my question, I want to know, Pochola, do you have any specific questions yeah. about? Okay. Yeah. So, dude, this is, and me and you have talked about this too. Um, the, the thing with football and MMA is, especially in the United States, um, there seems to be just such like a, in, like society and the fans and people that support like the NFL and UFC, they're, they seem to just be infatuated with the violence of it right the physicality the, mm -hmm. the gladiator mentality and like you said there isn't much focus on the human element that this is a person who is trying to feed their family or is trying to gain some economic status and mm -hmm. um why do you think and this is a deep question but i just want your thoughts why do you think it is especially in america and the united states this infatuation with like these sports like the, this warrior these warriors that collide on the football field or these warriors that collide in the cage. Um, Cause there seems to be all sorts of support to get the task done. Millions of dollars poured into building stadiums and uh, scheduling games and uh, securing venues for MMA fights. But then, you know, that consideration and thoughtfulness doesn't seem to be extended to the actors themselves. So the athletes, and I mean, that's a huge question, but why do you think that is? And why do you think it, that just occurs. Wow, that is that's deep. That's the first time I've ever been asked that. Um, I think I think as human beings, we we forget that you know we have a we have an, an animal nature, right? You know, just because we can communicate and we have uh, written language and you know we can build flying machines and cars and blah blah blah, we're still animals. Right. right. And and I believe that we still have, you know, it's in our DNA to kind of have some of that savage nature. It is what it is. Right. Like, you know, there was a, there was a point when society wasn't the way that it is now. And, and, and humans were out there fending for themselves against wolves and bears and like lions and, and, and other animals that were trying to kill them. You know what I mean? And I think you know, just as just for human survival in general, you have to hold on to that and you have to have that. I believe a lot of people do have that. And, you know, it just I think people are infatuated with seeing things like MMA and, and football, because for one, it is such a uh, it's such an elite thing. Right. You know, I, I my coaches used to say and I, I didn't really understand until much later, like. They always say, if anybody could do this shit, you know, it, it wouldn't be so much fun, right? If it, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? right. Like, and everybody can't do that. Everybody's not not built like that, right? Like, you, you've you got to be 
you've got to be like a dog out there and you've got to be somewhat crazy to go out there and, and be an MMA fighter or be a linebacker or some shit like that. Like, because everybody can't do that. Like, you know, there's a, there's a level of, uh, uh, of savagery that you have to have to be able to take it to those elite levels. Right. And, and people like to see that, I believe, because it's a, it's a true expression of, of your humanity. If you are that warrior, right? Like, it's like, for example, if you're an artist, you can ex- you can express your thoughts and, and your humanity and you can make creation with a paintbrush or a pencil or or uh, whatever materials there are. It, it, it's the same thing, but it's just a different kind. It comes from a from a different place. Right. And so it's such an elite thing that I think people I hear people all the time say, man, I wish I could I could have played in the league or man, I wish I could do this or that. And it's like. You have to respect the fact that if you make it to, you know, these levels, like you are, you are one of a very small group to be doing this and, and people who can't do it, they still respect that and they still want to come out and they want to see that. So it's like, you know, I I think it's human nature to, you know, you know, this goes all the way back to, you know, the gladiator, the actual gladiator times, right. Mm -hmm. Or you know, the, the origin of the Olympic games, people would go out and see these world-class athletes do these things that they couldn't do. And it, and it became fun and it became a part of them. And I think it's also an escape for people, right? Like it's in, you know, I, I know people and as a retired player now, like I, I get it more because I'm around the people who watch the game more, you know, I'm not on the field anymore, so I can interact with with, you know, with people who, who pay to see this and who pay for merchandise and all that. It's like, it's a, it's a big release for them to go and watch a football game, watch a sporting event. Um, you know, and it's, you know, people have long weeks and and it's like, it's hard out here, man. And, and, and entertainment is a big thing because it can, it can help people escape into this world and not worry about, you know, what their problems are just for a little bit. Right. Even if it's for like two, three hours, like, you know, that's, that's big for people. Right. And it's like, you know, it, it, it's important. It's an, it's important to them. And, and in turn, it becomes important to the people performing because look at the end of the day, they're really paying your salary with the, with those purchases they're making. Right. Like, you know, so I just think, you know, it's, it's such a special thing that people have to watch it. Right. Yeah. So what was your second question? What was the second part of that? Well, that I mean, you covered the whole first part. The, the second part is um, the the human cost is real. You just said what had happened to you as a result of you disciplining your body and then hurling your body at large males to win a game. That's really what you described. And, and you know, it's just obvious in listening to you speak the gain you got from that, but the cost was remarkable. And I feel like... That's the what I was asking is why do you think that's the last thing considered by these huge organizations like the NFL and UFC? I mean, they have health insurance and they have these contingency plans and yada yada yada. Right. But what I've seen is it hasn't been um, as proactive as it's needed to be, and it seems like fighters and football players in particular are just like, uh, you know, um, they're commodities. One. And this, I mean, this is a critical look at it. They're commodities, one, but also you're disposable. So oh, you, guarantee. It's, it's because, yeah. hey, look, at the end of the day, whenever you have a question like this, it's about the money. Yeah. Right? Like, they're making literally 
I think the, the franchise that makes the least amount of money in the NFL makes like nine hundred and fifty something million dollars per year. The Cowboys, a team like that, is making two billion a year. You know, what I mean, they make too much to give a fuck in, in, in yeah. some cases. But my thing is this: like, we see what's happening now. We know these things are going to happen. Why not, as an organization that's worth billions of dollars collectively, billions and billions, like B's, not M's, B's? Why not collectively fund research for for brain trauma? And 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 the NFL did this thing where they were like, we're going to donate ten million dollars. Which they didn't even donate a full ten million dollars, but you know what ten million dollars is to a to a, a an organization that makes a billion or two billion a year? That's a slap in the face. Yeah, I'm saying, and and and, and that's the problem I have with this. You know what I mean? And I'm like, look, the game of football is going to continue, fighting is going to continue, but like we've got to do better in taking care of those people because you know it's going to happen. It's not a it's not a maybe issue. It is a for sure issue on some level or another. And, and I'll tell you this, there is some, you know, if, if you are lucky enough to get vested and you, you pay into a 401k and, you, you know, you get, an, you get an HRA plan, which I have, which has been super helpful because I was smart enough to, you know, max, max out the, you know, the money and stuff that, I, that yeah. I was putting into those accounts. Like, that's incredible. Uh, and, and they do give you five years of free insurance, uh, you know, once you're vested when you leave the NFL, right, which is, which is a great thing. On the face of it, it's, it's very great. It's generous. But mm-hmm. I want you to think about this. And, and I've, I've talked to a lot, of, a lot of retired football players, you know, about brain health. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of guys the help they need and, and you know, try to point them in the right direction. It is five years of free insurance is, is nice, but it's a slap in the face because if you most of these guys that I've talked to, their injuries don't start until they've been out, you know, three, four, five years. Yeah. Then you, then you know, if you've got the HRA, you, you know, you use your HRA, you, you know, your health plan, but that's going to run out eventually. Your problems are not going to ever run out. Look, I, I, I have one of the best neurosurgeons that this that that field has to offer. That's that's caring for my my neurological health right now. I just got off the phone with him not two days ago. Incredible human being, but. Yeah. You know, I'm still going to have issues for the rest of my life, even with one of the best to ever do what he's doing as far as neuroscience and neurosurgery goes. I had a blackout two weeks ago walking the damn dog. Yeah. I mean, to be a normal functioning human being. Right. So it's not like there's a time limit on those issues that you're going to have. You know, I'm saying like my pops is is 60 and he's in a wheelchair. I mean, he's had. Multiple knee surgeries. He needs knee replacement at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Five years, it's like, it should be lifetime. And, and people are going to be like, well, you guys, you know, and I hear this all the time because I've made this argument before. You guys make millions of dollars and bought. No, 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 fuck. Most people do not make that much money. Yeah. A couple of guys on a team, a handful of guys, have, you know, maybe on a team that are making that stupid money that, you know, that you hear rap songs about or that they. Yeah. That to play up in a damn movie, uh, yeah. some Hollywood movie bullshit. Guys aren't, look, guys ain't making that much money. There's a lot of taxes. What people don't realize is, like, you may play in a state like Ohio, but if you go and play the San Francisco 49ers, the Oakland Raiders, and the San Diego Chargers, you're getting an extra state tax from California off of, off of that check. Mm-hmm. 
and then you got to pay the Fed, which is a big number. So any so anybody that says you know I, I just signed a ten million dollar contract I got ten mil no the fuck you don't you're cutting <laughs> yeah. than ten mil but you got yeah. you got a few mil in taxes you got to pay too homie mm-hmm. and then you got other expenses that you got to pay and blah 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 so nobody really makes what they say they make there's big contracts right there's you know this guy's making they're they're not netting that much money per year trust me yeah taxes on a state and a federal level are a real deal out here yeah. You know, we're talking, what is it, 30-something percent? Yeah. That's a, that's a big – If you, look, the first time I looked at the taxes that came out of my first NFL check, I almost threw up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's the part of it that people don't realize. And then on top of that, it's not a sustainable career. You, you It's very rare to see someone other than a quarterback play 15 years. The demand is too great. So you can't sustain that kind of money over time. Even if you are, your contract says before taxes you make 10 mil a year. All right, at some point your ass is going to get old, and then they're going to restructure that contract, and then they're going to, and then they backload a lot of that money on your big contract, and then they'll just cut you before the last two years of their contract when they owe you another 10, 15, 20 million dollars. So it's not guaranteed money. Right. Other than other than what your signing bonus is, your salary and all that other that's just not guaranteed. They can cut you at any time. And the NFL is the only sport that can do that, that can cut you at any time. And they will only owe you what your contract stated that you were guaranteed. And and a lot of a lot of money in these big contracts is on the last handful of years. Look it up. Go on Google. If anybody who's listening is interested, go on Google and look up how how NFL contracts are structured. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it'll be an eye opener, right? So it's not like it's not like you can you can sustain making that much money every year. You, you the, I think the average NFL career is like two and a half years. To other players and just talking about how it, it doesn't last very long. So you, you can right. Play. Okay. Cool. All right. Are we good? Yes. Okay. You can go, Bruce. Yeah. So like, if you look at you know, mo- most guys don't don't play 15 years like, you know, like quarterbacks do. The physical demand is too much. Yeah. Right. So, you know, when we're talking about getting, you know, five years free of insurance, that's that's a good starting point. And, and it's not something to turn your nose up at. But we've got to do better. Right. right? Be- because these these things last a, a lifetime like. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have these neurological issues for a lifetime. That's going to affect, you know, that's going to affect Sky's life. That's going to affect my family's life. That's going to affect, you know, the way I operate. Mm-hmm. Certain things that I just know I, you know, I, I, I should not do anymore. Like, you know, like I, like I, I tried to race go karts uh, one day, and we were whipping around this track, and the track is. It's fairly small, but there's a lot of turns. Like I, you know, I started feeling sick, like I, like I had vertigo, you know, just just being on a go kart track. So yeah. it's like these things. There's certain things I can't do. Like it's gonna be like this forever. So it's like these billion dollar organizations need to do better long term because it's not like, you know, you, 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 we we all have the understanding that these things are gonna happen. Yeah. And, it's a show of good faith, and I think it's respect to the game of football, 
which mm-hmm. is different from the NFL. I, I want everybody to realize I had a good conversation about that. But it's respecting the game to take care of those who gave their bodies to play it. And then, you know, I've also heard people off of that say, well, they made all this money and blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, okay, but you spent all this money. You paid to watch this. You, pay, you had to get the NFL Network to see this. You got your ass up and went and bought a, a $150 jersey. So don't yeah. tell me care because a lot of that money came from y'all. So don't tell me you don't care because fans invest just as much into this stuff as we. Have you ever been to a tailgate at a football game? Oh, fuck bananas. yeah. It is bananas. Yeah. Those people are investing their time and their money in that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, look, we got all this money going to all these places. Let's, let's, let's put a lot of that money towards you know, player health care because yeah. it's, it's, it's a necessity at this point. And I, I'm sure the NFL realizes that you know, if, if your players are dying because you know, they're, they're having brain issues and they're not, they don't have any way to get help, like that's a bad look. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and beyond that, just on a personal level, it, it makes my stomach turn when, these, when, when cats die. I've had friends die behind this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like, and it's like, damn, that's, I mean, it's it's a serious thing, and if we all have the collective agreement that, you know, football is going to continue as a society, we understand that collectively. Yeah. Then, and then let's just make sure that those people that you love so much while they're playing that you will quickly forget about once they're gone. Let's make sure when they're out of your consciousness that we at least know we won't we won't see on you know the news that somebody else is dead by their own hand. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, it just makes sense to me. That just sounds like good business. Yeah. Me. You know what well, I'm saying? Like, you talk about the movie Concussion, and it, you know, you're you're in the middle of it. Um, you're living it. Um, and that movie's just a reflection of that. But it seems like, according to that movie, there was a lot of, like, negligence on behalf of NFL officials on all sorts of levels, just kind of turning a blind eye to what was going on. I um, mean, they went so far as to intimidate the doctor who discovered CTE. They had people following him, watching in his house, intimidating him and his family. And like, like what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like we're talking about you're, you're intimidating someone who has, who has found a problem in, in, in a specific group of people. And, and, and we want to suppress that. We just want to let we just want to let the guys die, huh? While we suppress this information, just let them die. What? What kind of shit is that? You know what I mean? And look, and look, it's it, look. I'm not here to vilify the NFL. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I loved playing football, but yeah. like I said, the NFL and football are different things. The NFL is a group of people that organize professional football. Yeah, football is a game that can be played and loved by any and everyone. Right. So there's a there's a difference. Absolutely. Right. But respect the game of football. Right. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not, like I said, I'm not here to vilify the NFL. That's never my intention, but it's like, yo, yo like it's clear what you guys did. We have the evidence. Yeah. A spade no is a spade, you know, like spade is a it spade. is what it is. It's, and just like you, like I'll try to tell us all the time, nut up and deal with the problem that you've created now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You feel yeah. me? Like, yeah. and, and it's just like, I, I want, I want everybody else in the NFL to operate at the standards that they put these players to operate on. You feel me? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if I was to go out and, and, and bash somebody in the head or better yet, 
if I were to go out, go to a hospital and steal someone's medical records and try to suppress what the doctors had found, I would go to jail for that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. If that person died, I would go to jail for that. Right? So I, I just want them to operate under the same standards that they want their players to operate under. Right? Let's be transparent about these things. Because at this point, it's about saving lives. We, we know what the issue is. We know what's been done to suppress this stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move forward now. Because I'm not the type that's like, I'm not going to sit here and, and just worry about what happened. Now we got to do something. We, 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 the situation exists as it does. Yeah. Now we've got to do something about the situation that we've, and when I say we, I mean the NFL has helped cre- to create. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very simple thing. And, and it's like, at this point, just what, what's holding you back? Why not just do it? You know? Yeah. Why not just, why not just make it a thing? Um, but you know, this is this is big business. There's a lot of money involved. So, you know, just like every other big business, you know, shit can get sketchy sometimes. But Yeah. Well, okay. I want to walk us back a little bit um, because I think you can offer a lot of insights into this. So what would be your um, counsel for athlete, like MMA fighters and football players or any athlete who is transitioning – out of their um, career, and then what? And what was that process like for you, in terms of? Because uh, I know for me, dude, when I came to the crossroads of okay, you know, I, I didn't have as severe injuries as you did, um, but I did have shoulder separate separated shoulder, a broken hand. I feel like compared to your injuries, I'm just like fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure most people, I'm just like damn, that wasn't shit. But you know what it's like when you stall out and you're not competing, you think a lot. You're like, well, where do I go from here? And I I had come to terms like, you know, one pro fight was enough for me. Um, it, it's better that I switch. But, dude, I had a shit ton of anxiety when I stopped fighting. And I don't know what the cause was, whether it's I wasn't being physical or it was from shots I took in training. I still don't know. I mean, I but I remember having a tremendous amount of anxiety. And it wasn't easy to shut off that um, aggression. You know, I just yeah. My my advice to to any you know MMA or or football player or any athlete for that matter. Yeah. The first thing you need to do is go to therapy. Off top, no questions asked. Take your ass to a therapist ASAP. Right. Just talk about it. Because even if you feel good, still go talk about it. Because there's going to be things you want to talk about. There's going to be things that are going to keep you up some nights. You know what I'm saying? It's it, like. You said you felt a lot of anxiety when you stopped competing. It's because your body was used. Your body was on this schedule, right? Your body yeah. was used to like, all right, I got to train for this long. I've got to eat like this. I've got to exercise like this. And then fights comes around, and you get to expend all that energy, all that work, all that you know. And your body gets used to that. Yeah. So when you don't have an outlet for that, there's anxiety. And then, and then off of that, there's depression, right? I can't. I cannot do this anymore. Yeah. Not, even if I wanted to go back, I couldn't go back. That's tough. You know, I mean, you you know, you're whether it's mild or not, you're going to you're going to feel some kind of depression because it's like you're you're you are you are mourning a death basically. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you you are mourning like you you did something for so long. It was such a part of you for so long. But it's hard when it's gone. 
and and for everybody it doesn't it, you know it, it's it's gone when the game tells you it's gone mm-hmm. right like my pops told me like look when you can't respect the game of football enough to play to your maximum capability when you can't give it that same that same heart or that same that same stuff anymore you got to let it go yeah. and i was gone and even still i it, it was still you know there were still those issues so it's like got to see a therapist ASAP. Got to be in there regularly at, at least once a week to start. And you're going to feel like, man, I don't got that much to talk about. But I used to say that all the time. Shit, I don't got nothing to talk about today. I go in there, my therapist looked me in the face like, there's nothing you want to talk about. We get going. And then before you know it, I'm in there crying, snot flying out of my nose. <laughs> and the whole, no, you know what I'm saying? Because there's things, there's always something there, right? So that's that's got to be number one. Um, and, you know, take care of your your physical body. Right. You, you, you've got to go and, and, you know, get the x-rays and the MRIs and all that stuff done. But get your brain checked out. And, and what I always tell players is you got to get a baseline of where your body is at, where your brain is at, you know, what your joints are like. How is your, you know, brain mapping? How's your circulation? How are, you know, your, your, your vital organs that have been taking a pounding? Like, get it done because at least you will know. And even if you find something wrong, it's worse to not know that something's wrong and let it continue until it rears its ugly head like I did. Right. Like because if you know, then you can make a plan. And I and, you know, I talk to players all the time because, you know, I, I post on my social media all the time. Like, like when I go get MRIs, when I'm, you know, I'm in the hospital, I see my I see my neuro and blah, blah, blah. And it's like I, I have guys you know, and, and and, you know, even, um, you know, all, all the way back from high school. You know, what, what, where can I go to do X, Y, or Z? Where can I go, you know, to do this? And that's really been the blessing out of this whole thing for me, right? Like, mm-hmm. as bad as this has been for me, and, and at times, like, I can go out and I can, I can give my knowledge of this to the next person and hope they don't end up how I did, right? And that's always, yeah. the, that's always the thing for me. So it's like, yo, you got to start taking these not, this knowledge that these older cats are, are, are giving you, Right. You know, I mean, you just you just have to. And it's like, take care of yourself, but definitely like therapy, man, like. Got to do it. Mm-hmm. Got to do it. So um, I have a couple more questions and we'll, we'll be bringing it in for a landing here. Um, I just wanted to get some of your commentary maybe on like the there seems to be a crossover from nf like from nfl players going into like the ufc or yeah like, i remember herschel walker yeah came, came back and fought and like i mean what are your thoughts on that and like that because i i think it's a for some it's an easy transfer but you don't see like a whole bunch of nba former nba players or right. prospect nba players doing it. it seems to be a big mass of nfl players so i mean what do you think about that kind of exchange I mean, I think for some guys, it's like it's like a natural transition. It's still mm-hmm. physical. You're still, you know, because look, you, you get a, you know, you want to, you want to just like I said, expend that energy. So some guys, I think, you know, it, it's a fairly, it, it's not that huge of a step because you know, especially if they're still in shape. Yeah. Um, but I would say, you know. I don't know. I'm kind of split on that because it's like football is one thing and that has to be respected in that right. And it, and it took people a very long time to get there. And I just I would hate to see like a bunch of football players start going into the UFC thinking, oh, I can do I can throw hands. Motherfucker, those, <laughs> those guys put in just as much, if not more work than we did 
for football. And, right. and it's like, yo, like football is a different animal than the MMA. So it's like, <laughs> I, my thing is, again, let's respect the sport that we're, that we're playing and that we're wanting to get into. Don't disrespect MMA by coming in there and being sloppy and, and being harassed and just getting the fight because you got a, a football Dude, did game. you see Greg Hardy's fight? Did you see that, <laughs> Bruce? Yeah. yeah, it was buck wild, man. That's some bullshit. Yeah, he buck- looked awful. Yeah. And so did um, Gerald Washington. <sighs> did Jer- Ger- Coach Hell, did you Gerald say Gerald Washington's fight? Uh, maybe it was boxing. I don't, I don't. Oh, really? I don't, I don't believe so. It was some kind of fighting, but he used to play football at FC back in the day. Um, and he got his ass beat last night. Like, and so my thing is like, and I know he, he had won some fights before, but, um, you know, come on. I, I mean, I'm just like, look, you have to, you have to respect that, that arena and MMA fighting and, and, and any sort of martial arts or mixed martial arts, like, yo, that is a lifetime of work. So don't go in there right. half-stepping. Yo, you yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that, I mean, that's my only thing. Like, I wouldn't, I would never be like, no, you guys shouldn't be doing this. Like, look, if, if you want to do something, I'm not going to be the guy to stop you, but just don't go make a fool out of yourself is all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, dude, there's, um, and I'm looking at the articles now, and it looks like there was a the first case of CTE in an MMA fighter. Oh, you're talking about uh, yes. Jordan Parsons. Can yeah, you hear me, Bruce? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, I, uh, so I'll, accident. Yeah, I'll read it to you. It says former Bellator fighter Jordan Parsons, who died earlier this year, and this is 2016. Uh, at the age of 25, is the first mixed martial arts fighter to be publicly diagnosed with chronic traumatic uh, ankle. How do you pronounce that? Ankylophalophalophy. I'm, I'm butchering sure it. I'm just gonna yeah. say CTE, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, he was three fights into his Bellator career. He died on May 4th, three days after being struck in a hit and run. So it looks like they did it post mortem, and they. Uh, probably based on his brain structure and other things they observed, probably the things you were talking about. Right. Um, they came to that determination. And so there you go. I mean, it, it's, it's more present in rugby, football and MMA than I think any other sport, sure. you know? Yeah. Just because <laughs> the nature of the, uh, of, of what we're, of what we're doing, man. And, and the, the shitty thing about CTE is, is that there's no test for it while you're still alive, right? They have to, you know, they have to take your brain out at, you know, postmortem and, mm. and do the exam that way. So it's like, you know, I, I would really like to see, you know, and I know there's some, I've, I've attended a couple of, uh, you know, neuroscience galas. There's people on the forefront of this stuff. I would really like to see some kind of test created so that we can, we can find out if somebody has CTE you know, without them being dead, you know what I'm saying? Like some way while you're living to be tested and, and, you know, to be sure about it, you know, would, would be my hope is where this advancement in the medicine goes next. Well, this case was studied by the same doctor, Dr. Omalu, Mm -hmm. who found the disease and Mike Webster, the football player from uh, the concussion, the movie was centered around. And he said it was, this is what he says. Let me, 
He says it was impossible that it was caused by the accident. Right? Yeah, there's already it's a, it's a chronic thing. Anything that mm-hmm. happens from like an, an accident will be an acute trauma, and you'll be able to tell the difference, right? Like, yeah, CTE is something that happens because of repeated hits to the head. And that's what it says. It says that it was impossible because it was a chronic disease that develops over time. Right. You know, but it just, it just shows how he needed to say that because there's so many and so many legal groups and, and you know, other entities that would just try to dismiss this, especially within the MMA world. You oh, know, yeah. The UFC is the NFL of MMA. And, oh, um, for sure. So, yeah, it's... And maybe you have some clarity on this. It's like, why would they go to those lengths? I mean, because I have my theory. I mean, I feel like it's to avoid lawsuit. For sure. Which would then put pressure on the probably these uh, entities to implement rules, maybe decrease the amount of shows, the time in between games, the time in between fights, like make it longer. So mm-hmm. people aren't just back to back to back. Right. Um, and then what does that impact? If they can't do as many games and as many shows, it impacts revenue generation, so on and so forth. So it's hard to not look at money as the prime cause because there's so much to just. There's so much of it to be made, man. That's And, and that's just kind of what it is. Yeah. So I just I have one last question for you, man. Um, what is your like to the young men who are wanting to like follow in your footsteps who are you know, just starting football or maybe further along looking at going into college and, um, and, or actually before that, no scratch that. What, what is your involvement with, uh, athletes in football? Like now, like, what do you do? Like, are you coaching? Are you mentoring? Are you? So now what I'm doing is like, so, you know, I do a lot of like making sure guys get their medical health in order. Uh, like I said, I always open myself up, you know, through my social media accounts. And like I said, anytime I go to a doctor, anytime I go get a a brain scan or MRI or anything related to mental health, neurological health, physical health, I always make sure I post it. And I get a lot of people that reach out to me like, yo, what was your experience? I did a really cool podcast um, last week called the ACL club where we just talked about, you know, knee injuries and, and that's their focus. And it's like, yo, like, so, you know, I, I, you know, I just talk about it, man. Like, and, and I want to make it this thing that's not like, that's not seen as a weakness or like, it's this, you know, oh, we shouldn't be doing that. So, I mean, that's where I'm at right now. I'm actually working on a documentary. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're still, we're still filming it. Uh, we're almost done. we got a couple more parts to film. So I'd say probably another six months or so it'll be out. Um, but we are, um, you know, we're tackling a lot of the issues that we talked about today. You know what I mean? And then there's that visual representation of that stuff too. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the effects of CBD now, uh, as, as a treatment, because I take high, high doses of CBD Mm -hmm. oil and I haven't had a seizure in, I can't, I don't know how long, you know, years, you know what I'm saying? And it's like for physical health as well, for things like sleeping, um, you know, eat, you know, keep your, your appetite regular. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bullshit you guys. I smoke as well, but yeah, yeah that's, you know, that's, that's me. It works for me. Like, yeah. but you know, I truly believe that, you know, CBD is, has really, uh, it really helped out a lot. I saw, I saw, an um, I saw some video clips of a woman 
who was in a state where it wasn't legal, but she had it anyway. She got some. Her son was having a hundred seizures or something a day, Jeez. right? Something. Yeah. And, and this little boy, I mean, you talk about the, the bravest little kid you could imagine. He's fighting his ass off every single day just to just to do normal things like breathe properly or sleep or eat. And it's, this kid's a trooper and um, he gets, you know, his mom started giving him the high doses of CBD oil and his seizures instantly decreased or yeah. almost stopped. Right. Like, so, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's other things, um, you know, that the documentary tackles, but that's, that's really what we're getting into uh, physical health, mental, mental health uh, treatment. And then, you know, how CBD is affecting, you know, me personally and, and the whole nine. So, you know, I, I'm, and, and, and I always like to clarify, like, I'm not saying, you know, just throw out all, you know, Western medicine. Yeah. That's stupid. You know, it, you know, there's certain things that, that CBD or cannabis is not going to cure, but I'm saying let's change, you know, how we do, do these things in conjunction, little Western medicine, little Eastern medicine, little Western medicine, little CBD here, you know, and, and we've got to find a balance because, you know, taking things like Vicodin for pain, I'd rather Ugh. take CBD and smoke a joint to be totally yeah. honest with you. You know what I mean? Like it's, it just kind of is what it is. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really spending a lot of time making sure that, you know, we're just, we're just getting the message out there, man. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't want people to feel like they're alone in these, in these battles. Cause they're not like. I've talked to total strangers before too, man. And it's, it's such a crazy thing that, you know, we're all, we're all so connected, but you know, that's really what I've gotten into. That's, you know, cause, cause again, this is something I'm gonna have to deal with for the rest of my life. So I'm just like, yo, the more people, if we can save one person from talking about it, then I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where I've been at. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you've made a lot of decisions, even in light of the diagnosis and the, the struggles you have, like really smart, responsible decisions. So by your behavior, you're demonstrating the way towards stability for a lot of guys that sacrificed a whole lot on those football fields. Um, and it's very clear in the knowledge you have in the way you express it um, and, and just how rooted you are in the reality of what you did, you know, and we're hoping that um, for MMA, because here's the other thing, too, is just even at the amateur level, we're really hoping that people can grasp the magnitude of the activity that we're doing, but also having a plan if this doesn't work out. And and I think it's wise for every amateur fighter, even if you have like four or five fights and you've been training only for a couple of years, you need to I would say you need to get into therapy, go get yourself checked out. Um, even if you don't have that much resources, there's really no excuse to go and take care of yourself. Cause what I've learned too, is nobody, unless, I mean, if you have a great coaching staff, it's different, but people aren't going to go out of their way to tell you to get that help. They're just not going to do that. Right. right. Um, but no, I appreciate your insights cause it's, it's universal to, um, all athletes, but even people, you know, and like terms of mental health, I mean, you don't need to get your, not all people get their heads smashed in or get punched and, and that's why they have mental health problems or emotional right. problems. It's just the nature of human existence, too. So you're also talking about just healthy ways how to deal with that, which is CBD therapy. And what I also sense from you is it's like, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's not a whole lot of resentment, man. You made your choice. Yeah. You played your, 
you played your heart out and and that's how I feel about fighting. I had regrets um, at one point, but if I could go back and do it all over again, I would totally. I'm the same. Not change it, bro. I'm the same. Look, look, we we all made choices that led us down a path, uh, right. you know, for better or for worse. Uh, and there's, you know, there's there's nothing we can do about that. Like, <laughs> no. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's nothing to do, but you know, we can be proactive in in our futures and you know with our health and you know all that kind of stuff. So I mean, that's my thing, man. Like, we made choices. There's information that I didn't have that I'm pissed off about, but you know, we've got to work with what we've got. That's the nature of life. You. You've been dealt a certain set of cards. You have a certain set of skills. Now, what you gonna do about it? So, yeah, you know. And, and again, just like you said, and I say the same thing all the time. If I could do it over again, I would because I loved what I did. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And it, and it just, you know, it it was an expression of 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 your humanity. And and it's it was not our art. for everybody. It exactly. was our art, dude. Exactly. That was it. That was our art. That's that's what we were gifted to do. So, you know. Um, I wouldn't change anything. I don't have resentment. Uh, I, you know, the, the, some of the tactics still piss me off. Some of the choices that they're making actually piss me off. But you know, we're, as, as long as we continue to kind of work to change that, then, you know, you know, we'll we'll get there eventually. So, dude, I feel like I could go on forever and go one last question, but this really is like my last question. <laughs> but, dude, I, I mean, this is just a reminder that I need to stay in touch with you because you're such a powerful force in my life too just listening to you and the, the commonality is real so what are you doing now to like feed that passion dude like because you had a passion for football it took you to the highest level of your craft period and so like what did you end up what did you transition that into like so at um, first before i started having all these issues i got into like film and television i was in a you know, a handful of, you know, commercials, a couple of them went national and, mm -hmm. you know, played for a long time. And, you know, I was in acting and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, I started having these issues and I, you know, I couldn't give it the same. So I really just turned towards, you know, focusing on health and, you know, fighting my battle and then how I could help everybody else. Um, and then working on this documentary that I mentioned before has been, uh, super therapeutic for me. Um, you know, we've tackled a lot of issues, you know, gotten a lot of kind of shook some demons loose and, and have yeah. been able to move forward. So um, that's really where I've been at. Just trying to just trying to, you know, make sure we get this thing right with health and and, and make sure we get it documented. Man, that's that's kinda, that's what it's been for me. And, and again, like I said, if we can help one person, I'm cool with it, man. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for coming on the podcast. We appreciate you. And before we. Uh, cut it. Could you just list out all your social media and like, and then just give a last like uh, shout out about the documentary and where people can look for that? Yeah. So, uh, um, I'm sorry. Say it again. I totally fucking spaced out. Yeah. Well, just all your social media plugs. Oh, uh, where uh, can people look for the um, documentary? Yeah. So all my social media is B2 Davis 44, <laughs> or um, if you look up Bruce Davis two. You can find me that way. Uh, and as far as social media goes, you, you know, you got any questions about like transitioning, mental health, physical health, neurological health, man, feel free anytime to reach out. I don't care where you're from, like, you know, who you are, what you're going through, man, like hit me up. I'm, I'm always available. Uh, the documentary, we're still filming. So, you know, it, 
we still don't know what, like where it's going to be released or whatever. We're kind of getting into that process now of, okay. you know, hopefully somebody good buys it, you know, um, you know, HBO, Netflix, Showtime, Amazon. I don't know. You know, once we, once we get all that figured out, I'll for sure come back on the show and, you know, let you guys know what we've, you know, where everything's going to be launching at. Yeah. And let that be a reminder that we're going to, you know, to the listeners, we're going to have you back on. Anytime, man, this, this Cool, man. I, you know, I really enjoyed this, you know, so anytime you guys need a guest, man, let me know. I'll, I'll be down. Yeah. Thanks, Bruce, man. We, uh, it was a pleasure having you on and we'll be following up with you. Thanks, dude. All right. For sure. You guys have a good one. All right. You too. All right. Later.